Welcome to the Inside Startup Investing Podcast, powered by King's Crowd. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lestrino. From discussions with founders and VCs to industry experts and special guests, we want to provide you with the inside scoop on all things startup investing. Whether you're investing $50 a deal or $500,000 a deal, we have the stories you need to hear before clicking invest. From the metaverse to spaceflight and beyond, join us as we explore the world of startup investing for all. And now, on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Startup Investor Podcast. Today, we are joined by two guests, Rick Bentley and James, who are the chairman and founders uh, of HydroHash, which is a really interesting company in the crypto space. We're excited to have this conversation today to dive into a few critical topics that are going on in the crypto industry today and talk about hydro, how HydroHash is helping to figure out some of these things. So with that, I'll kick it off. Um, Rick, great to see you. Uh, would love for you to give us a little bit of background about yourself. And, uh, and then James, I'd love to hear a little about you too and, and hear about what you guys are up to at HydroHash. Sure. Yeah, sounds great. So um, I'm kind of was the Silicon Valley tech nerd, uh, uh, physics and engineering at UC Berkeley, and then worked a bunch of uh, companies in the Silicon Valley area from startups, some you may not have heard of like General Magic, but I was also at Google full time. I, I worked directly for Andy Grove of Intel fame for a while. Um, last company, I, two companies ago I started uh, was backed by SoftBank and eventually bought by Uber. It was called Televoke. We merged with another company called uh, uh, Decarta and uh, uh, Uber bought them up after a long fuse. And then I started another company called Cloud Structure and uh, we found <laughs> crowdfunding for that one. We raised over $30 million uh, on a Reg A+. After two reg CFs, and I don't remember Chris, you did some coverage of a uh, cloud structure back when it was just starting out. So appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, back when I was at uh, back at Televoke, um, I met James McGivney. He was CEO of a partner company called SecureTrack, and uh, we've kept in touch ever since. We worked together on a few projects, and this is another one we're working together on now. Yeah, yeah. So a uh, good segue. I'm James McGivney. Um, yeah, I've known Rick, Rick for decades. Uh, while he had his GPS company, I had mine. We partnered together. Um, my company was SecureTrack, which then became Sapius, which then got bought by Wireless Matrix. So uh, I'm also a former United States Marine. I served towards the duty with Third Surveillance Reconnaissance Intelligence Group and Marine Security Guard Battalion. Uh, I'm not as much of a nerd as Rick, but uh, I have my master's degree from Boston University. I just completed my uh, cybersecurity certification through Harvard. Uh, and yeah. I'm uh, getting very caught up quickly in everything crypto mining because I know a decent amount amount about it, but not nearly as much as Rick does. So, yeah, direct most of your questions towards him. (laughs) (laughs) He's the genius of the group. That's fantastic. Well, first off, thanks for your service. But I'd love to hear from you about what you guys are up to at HydroHash because it's a really interesting problem you're trying to work on um, and much needed. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So crypto mining is really interesting. Uh, and I kind of miss I didn't start till 2015, which people, you know, nowadays go, oh, my God, I wish I started in 2015. But, you know, it was, it was late then. Right. Uh, but in 2015, I bought a Bitcoin miner, uh, a Bitmain ant miner S5. And, um, you know, I plugged it in and turned it on. And the thing sounds like an aircraft taking off. It's just it's just deafening loud. <laughs> And I thought I had things figured out pretty well because we had some startup office space where the utilities were included. 
right? So mining's free, right? Yeah. But it was just, it was too loud for everyone, right? It just, just wasn't going to work. I ended up for that one. The Antmatter S5 is shaped like a bread box. It's long and thin, and the fan that blows out the hot air is on the back, and it's a square cross-section. Like, how can I put this thing outside, right? And, you know, and, and but have it not get wet. So I bought a doghouse from Home Depot. I cut a square hole in the back. I put the fan on, I put the thing inside the doghouse, the fan blowing out. So it brought in air through the door in the front that was all covered. So even if it was raining, it was bringing in dry air, right? And blew out the back. And it sat on a roof in Palo Alto and ran for about a year and a half. Wow. Right? Just sitting on the roof going, <laughs> but in an area that was noisy enough that no one ever noticed it outside, right? I ran, I ran the powdery the cables out the window and up, up, up to the top, right? So that was, um, that was kind of my first foray into it. And then, uh, um, when Ethereum came out, uh, I had a, a gaming rig on my PC with a pretty, pretty stout graphics card. In. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, I know a little bit about mining. Let me, just, let me try this. So I start mining. I'm like, well, look at that. I'm making enough to buy a new gaming card every month, huh? I'm going to go out and buy a whole lot of gaming cards. <laughs> I went to Fry's and the shelves were already bare. Like I, I'd already gotten there just a little bit too late again, right? So I was buying GPUs on Craigslist. I was meeting dudes in parking lots at Valley Fair Mall, what <laughs> handing out hundreds to buy. It looks like a drug trade to anyone who's paying attention, right? Uh, getting GPUs. And a similar problem there. It's not just the noise, obviously, uh, when you're air cooling uh, with crypto. Um, it's a, it's just an ineffective way to do, uh, heat, um, dissipation. Uh, you know, air is 80% nitrogen, which is uh, very inert, you know, N2. It, it doesn't really mix with anything. So it doesn't transfer heat well at all. Right. Um, and it's not very dense. So it ha has low thermal capacity and low, uh, uh, thermal conductivity, right? It's just the wrong medium. Right. And that's why you look at cars. They went liquid cooled a long time ago. Right? I think the Porsche 911 might have been the last holdout into uh, the late 90s, right? Uh, but all the cars are liquid cooled. Even a Tesla battery pack is liquid cooled. Um, gaming PCs nowadays are often liquid cooled, right? It's, it's just a better way to do it. So um, I, I started liquid cooling my uh, GPU mining rigs for Ethereum. And I noticed a couple things right away. Man, it just ran a lot cooler. Right. So, which means you can put in more power because the more power you put in, the faster you can hash. Right. But you have to get rid of that power in the form of heat now somehow. Otherwise, it gets too hot. Resistance goes up. It becomes this vicious cycle and the thing just cooks itself. Right. And it runs much more stable, too. So it runs cooler, runs more stable. You can run the same amount of hardware with more power going in, even though it's running cooler. Just a way better way to do it. And so. um I was talking to some people uh, in the startup space recently about, hey, you know, oh, yeah, what, what's hot nowadays, right? I've been busy on computer vision, AI, machine learning with cloud structure. Oh, man, crypto's hot. I'm like, crypto's not hot. I, I was late in 2015. Like, what are you talking about? No, crypto's really hot right now. Crypto mines are like, oh, is it all liquid cooled now? I assume it's all liquid cooled now. What? what are you talking about? No one's doing liquid cooled. Oh, yeah, they should totally do liquid cooled. And I was like, the more I thought, I'm like, well, if no one else is doing it, I'm doing it. So, I grabbed James, you know, I got a full-time job and uh, a tech guy we used to work with, uh, Brad Degnan, uh, back in the, uh, in me and James's days at uh, SecureTrack and Televoke and uh, made him CTO. He was mining Bitcoin in 2011. Ooh. Now he wasn't late. He was right on time. 
Um, yeah, so he doesn't need to work anymore, as, as you might expect. And so I've, I've jostled him a few times to see if he wanted to get back in, in, in the mix. You know, he he's worked at uh, Cisco and Electronic Arts. He, he keeps big server farms up and working at scale with near-perfect reliability, right? Mm. And uh, I've never been able to get him back into the workforce. He just wouldn't do it. I, I told him about this. I said, hey, look, we're going to crypto mine at scale with liquid cooling, and here's why. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm totally in. So... Um, we're the three musketeers right now, and, and we're off to a good start. Nice. So I'm going to ask a couple of extremely dumb questions, but just for the setting of the conversation. So first off, why is it that we have to mine crypto? Why can't one just say we have this digital security? There, This is a number that, that will ever exist. It's limited and be done. And then we wouldn't have to spend any time mining it. What, like, Why does mining even have to exist? Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about the proof of work versus proof of stake, right? Is really what it comes down to. And um, it's a good point. It's inefficient. And the reason it's inefficient is really interesting. Um, you know, whenever you mine a new block of Bitcoin, that's the new, all the transactions are recorded every six minutes or whatever, right? Bada bing, bada boom. And some amount of cryptography is required to do that, right? And so the deal is, the way the algorithm is set up, and with Bitcoin at least, is uh, a small percentage of new coin will get given to the people who do all that work, right? And uh, if it requires one unit of computation to do that, but everyone's like, I want to do it. And so 10 units of computation show up, right? It, you don't want to have an inflationary currency. For, for crypto when I mean, we do for the US apparently, but you, you wouldn't rationally, right? So um, uh, you don't want to give 10 times the award. So what you do is you make it 10 times harder, right? And so if a thousand times the computation shows up than you need, you make it a thousand times harder. If a million times shows up, that's kind of where we are, right? It's like a million times harder than it needs to be, right? So Ethereum, uh, is, as you've probably seen, is moving from proof, proof of work to proof of stake. And that's really interesting. And instead of the, the everything becomes easier again, but to guarantee a transaction, you say, okay, that transaction for 1.2 Ethereum, I'm a disinterested third party. I will stake my Ethereum here and say, I guarantee that transaction is correct. And if I'm wrong, take take my Ethereum instead. Right? So that's proof of stake. You basically say, hey, you know, I, I'm 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 doing the math on my on my own over here. I'm putting up the money to show that I can I can cover that transaction, right? And so uh, that brings the computational needs way 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 down. Bitcoin just doesn't seem to be doing that, and um, uh, it's unclear which path is going to be the best one. You know, people really do like mining, as you've seen, right? Mm -hmm. And for Ethereum, you can do some staking now. But you're really just kind of committing to the future that it's going to flip over. You get like, you know, 7% return or something. And you can get a higher return mining on Bitcoin, right? So so we all know, you know that, you know, mining is obviously, you know, probably better than most, how just incredibly inefficient it is. I forget if it's like, what is it, 2,000 uh, kilowatts of electricity for a single Bitcoin to be produced. Um, so yeah. how does HydroHash help make this whole thing more sustainable? Yeah, so there's two things we're doing. One, we're running a more efficient model with liquid cooling, right? And that gives us an edge. And our original idea is to do uh, hydroelectric power, right? And um, uh, we're trying to get those contracts together now, but we, we it's important we don't get locked into the wrong power source, right? Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago, a couple 
crypto mining companies bought a dam. It's bought a dam. Hey, we're going to buy our own dam, right? And that dam, rather than selling to the grid for three cents a kilowatt hour, can sell to the miners at six cents a kilowatt hour, right? Um, and that's pretty neat, but there's only so many dams you, you can do that with. And uh, Iceland has a lot of hydroelectric power. And uh, they've stopped taking uh, new uh, crypto mining companies into their country. They've just blocked it because too much of their power was going to mining and not to lights and you know <laughs> heat and dishwashers and stuff like that, right? So, um, so I think the two things are uh, you know the fact that it's liquid cool, then the power source, right? And the power source, uh, we're probably gonna have a broader portfolio of power at least on the R and D side. Right, we'd like to scale still with hydro, but there might be some natural gas or something else in, in you know to help move us along. Maybe with a solar boost for the daytime when the in the summertime when the grid really needs the AC, right? Um, and so you you risk losing the power to your miners, right? Solar could be okay. Then you can't do solar 24/7 because uh, the batteries are just too too inefficient, right? Too so expensive. Are you guys going to essentially build just a vast factory-looking? building full of servers that are, you know, cooled by water or liquid, whatever you want to call it. And it like, is that what it looks like? Is it just a massive factory building full of servers? What is this physically going to look like? Yeah. So, you know, typically um, the thing that seems to make the most sense, if you build a building, you can't move it. Right. Yeah. So what makes a lot, but you can't move a dam either. Right. So <laughs> something has to be fixed. Right. But we like our stuff to be portable. So we're putting everything into um, shipping containers, either mm. 20 foot, 30 foot, 40 foot containers, right? Uh, 20 foot's probably best because, you know, more smaller ones is better than fewer bigger ones for a variety of reasons. But in any case, um, you put everything in a shipping container and you can have a semi come and pick it up. And in three days, it can be anywhere else in the country, right? So if power here, they say, hey, we're really going to put the screws to you guys. Your power's really going up next year, next month, whatever. We can say, yeah, I got a dude named Tony with a with a tractor trailer, and he's gonna come pick the thing up on Tuesday, and uh, see you later, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the um, the the economics of this? Is is it you know literally each box is like almost a franchise, and you know exactly what it's gonna produce? That you know, what does that look like? You know, it's really interesting. It's it is a leap of faith to to get into mining, especially at scale. There's a lot of unknowns. Uh, you don't know. Uh, what the cost of power is going to be in the future. You can try and buy ahead and lock in some contracts that may or may not work, right? If your power company goes under, it definitely doesn't work, right? That's <laughs> money you 100% lost, right? Uh, so the deal's too good to be true. It might be, right? So you don't know what the price of power is going to be, despite your best attempts. You don't know what the difficulty is going to be. So I mentioned um, uh, there's the, the gain control on the uh, proof of work that if more people show up to mine, it gets harder, right? And there's also payouts decrease. So again, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are trying not to be inflationary for very good reasons. It keeps the value up, right? But that means they have to issue less and less and less and less over time. And Bitcoin asymptotically approaches 21 million Bitcoin. And then that's all there's ever going to be, right? So the final days of Bitcoin mining, everyone's going to be fighting over a millionth of a Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Um, yeah so... Uh, there's just there's so many unknowns. You know, we got a big spreadsheet that we use. We try and keep track of everything, and it's just like <sighs> we start mining and we do the best we can, right? And and are you going to be doing thing? You know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Solana. Like, can you be doing all of these various things, or do you have to kind of stick to one or a, another coin? It's very miner specific. So 
You get a Bitcoin miner, it's the SHA-256, and, and, and away you go, right? And you can mine Bitcoin with that until Bitcoin maybe someday moves a proof of stake. Um, Ethereum came out uh, with the goal to be um, uh, my ASIC resistant. So let's, let's start at the beginning. So when Brad, our CTO, was first mining Bitcoin, he was doing CPU. Right, just the CPU on your computer, and it, it was a big deal. He was just then switching. Hey, I think I can do this on my GPU, my graphics card, and it's going to be even. It's going to be like ten times faster on my graphics card. And he was just figuring that out, right? So everyone went from CPU to GPU, your graphics card, and then uh, people started making ASICs, application-specific integrated circuits. So it's chips made just to mine Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Super efficient. That's all they do. They're just really, and so again, it's like. 100 times more efficient than the GPU, and the GPU is 100 times more efficient than the CPU kind of thing, right? So you can't really compete uh, unless you're on the latest and greatest with Bitcoin. And what that did is, you know, I, I mentioned how loud that thing was, and it took two kilowatts or 1,500 watts out of the wall, right? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, uh, one circuit can barely handle the plug would get hot, right, that it was plugged into kind of thing. I'm like, I'm going to burn down the building here, right? Like, you know, the extension core that went to the roof would get warm, right? Like, this is, and as loud as can be, this is not a thing that you are, most people are going to take on. And that started to centralize the miners. And if you get uh, most of the miners, 51%, you can control what happens to Bitcoin, right? And so distribution is good. Uh, decentralization is good. You know, the big thing about cryptocurrency is DeFi, you know, de decentralizing the, the, the finance, right? And so Ethereum came out specifically with a goal to be ASIC resistant. And so its algorithms work in GPU really, really well. It was like made for GPUs, right? And so making an ASIC for Ethereum doesn't, doesn't really help, right? Now, Ethereum, you can do a lot of other coins, Doge, whatever, right? You can do with the same GPUs as, as you can with Ethereum. They're often just the exact same algorithms. There's a lot of copy and paste of Ethereum out there, right? And so um, you can use mining software, because uh, maybe, you know, this coin is trending right now because Elon Musk just said, Musk just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting big into whatever coin today. Right. And it goes up a thousand X. Right. So um, uh, you can use software that uh, mines whatever is most profitable that minute, hmm. like that minute. And then you can take your payouts essentially in whatever coin you want. Right. So we think holding, holdle, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the way to go. They're kind of the gold and and cash of uh, of crypto, right? Respectively, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but we'll mine whatever is most profitable to the minute. Got it. And you know, it's funny you were talking about decentralized finance, and we've started to see right countries like the U.S. and China talking about forming a digital currency themselves, uh, <laughs> but not decentralized. So, do you think that's a natural evolution of crypto? Is that like totally stupid? Like, what what happens there? That's the thing. It's really the masses against government here. Right. We're trying to wrest control of currency from those who currently control it. And, you know, I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go, but Kennedy said he's going to end the Federal Reserve and he got shot in the head. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, you're talking about people who literally own money, own the ability to make money. I mean, you think the Rothschilds or anyone else are, are big and important, like. Uh, the people who have the license to print money, right, are the most powerful people in the world, and they're not going to let go of it easily, right? You know, right now, something like in the last 10 years, we printed more dollars than in the history of dollars before that, right? Mm -hmm. We've like doubled 
maybe it's 13 years, but it's, it's close to 10, right? We've just doubled the amount of currency and that's fun, right? Hey, we're gonna, we can have a program for this and a program for that. And, you know, uh, we need we need this spend and that spend and we need bigger military and whatever else, right? And we just go and do it. With Bitcoin and Ethereum and stuff, you can't do that. It's all algorithmically controlled, right? And these central governments are gonna be very low to give it up. And some some are very overt, like China, Hey, all the shit's illegal except for ours. So just use ours, right? And we can make it do whatever we want, right? And that's, that's, you're right back where you started, right? You're at the mm-hmm. other, you've just been on the hamster wheel, right? You went from cash to digital to blockchain. And it doesn't matter because Central Bank of China can double the, the volume anytime they want to and wash everyone out and make as much for themselves and their cronies as they want to. Um, uh, but there's insidious ways. So let's say, uh, I give you a hundred dollars and you give me a hundred dollars worth of gold, right? Okay. I gave you a hundred dollars. So let's back up one step. I give you a hundred dollar bill. You give me five twenties. We've exchanged a hundred for five twenties. Neither of us has to report anything to the government, right? Like everything's cool. There's no taxes involved with that, right? Okay. I give you a hundred dollar bill. You give me a hundred dollars worth of gold. Okay. So I got your gold now, right? Well, you have to pay sales tax on that now, hmm. right? You just sold me gold. Right. So, you know, in California, around here, most counties is like eight, nine percent sales tax. Right. OK. Uh, now I hold that gold. Meanwhile, the government doubles the amount of dollars in circulation again. And so now my hundred dollars worth of gold is worth two hundred dollars. Right. So I give it back to you and you give me two hundred dollars. Right. Because now dollars are worth half as much. Now the IRS says, oh, you just made a hundred dollar profit. You have to pay income tax on that. Right. So just substitute gold for Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever you want. Right. And you see how the. The, the make it not as valuable as dollars to use for transactions like this, right? Because they're taxing you on it in dollars, right? Hmm. And so it's just a way for them to just kind of bring down the value of it, right? The, the utility of it. And it's, it's a very, I mean, it's a little insidious, right? It sounds a little reasonable. For, oh, yeah, you got to pay your taxes. Everyone says that, right? Well, but why? It's, if I give you 100, you give me 520, it's going to have to pay taxes. If, I, if we trade, you know, dollars for gold or dollar for Bitcoin, there shouldn't be any either, right? But in fact, there are. It's just a way for the government to to try and keep their ability to be the only ones to print money. And do you have thoughts? I know recently um, BlockFi came out. They had a $100 million settlement with, uh, with the SEC over yeah, what I think it was their ability to allow people to lend and make interest on their, their crypto-held assets. What did you think of that settlement? You know, does that improve <laughs> things? Does that make things worse? Where are we at on that? You know, I, I've seen the SEC do a lot of interesting thing, and it, far be it for me to question our betters. But when you see things like um, uh, the SEC sanctioning Elon Musk, right? It's like we don't we don't need the SEC to protect us from Tesla and Solar City and SpaceX and uh, you know his brought. Uh, it, uh, his satellite broadband thing. What's that one again? Starlink. Starlink. Yeah. Like we, we don't need the government to protect us from that. We need the government to get the F out of the way so we can have more of that. Right. And here they are protecting us. Right. And so, you know, the scariest, I think Ronald Reagan said the scariest words in the English language are I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Right. And so, you know, just keep, keep, keep I, I would, I would turn to the government and say, Hey, you know, uh, the adults are talking right? Like we understand this and we're not here to just maintain central control of currency. So you kids, you kids go do something else. Right. Um, 
you know, the more they get involved, just the worse it's going to get. Hundred percent. There's no two ways about it. So, in terms of you know, HydroHash as a company, you're trying to bring more sustainability, which is a huge, huge problem that a lot of people care about in the crypto space. Um, and you're acting as Bitcoin miners, and and you know, you've kind of gotten into that here. So, what does the kind of grand scheme vision look like for HydroHash? You know, call it three to five years from now. What is what does that look like? Yeah. So, if we can eke out even a little bit of an advantage over everyone else just by being just a little bit smarter or taking a little more time to plan or whatever it is, right? Or having the benefit of history, whatever. If we can just be a little bit more efficient, uh, we can be the ones who stick around the longest and, and mine the most at the highest profitability margins, right? And, you know, whenever you buy your miners, you reach a certain time as they get older and newer ones are coming out and more people are adding the newer, more efficient ones to the mining pools, uh, where it costs more electricity than it does to mine that hardware you already paid for, right? So if you have to pay $100 in electricity to mine $100 worth of Bitcoin, I guess you leave it on. But the day you have to pay $101 of electricity to mine $100 worth of Bitcoin, you're better off going out and buying $100 of Bitcoin for $100 and saving the dollar, right? And that's when the, the equipment finally gets retired, right? And that's why it's so important to be at the lowest cost basis for electricity too, so you're capital can keep running the longest. So our intention is to just um, make things as efficient as physically possible. This is where my physics degree comes in handy a little bit, right? You know, energy in, <laughs> where's every watt going, right? Like, and you know, a cooling fan is, is, takes power, right? And so, you know, as, as you run it all down, you know, wh what, what can we really save here in the most efficient way possible? And if we can stay on top and be the most efficient, eventually we'll, we will literally be the only one left. Hmm. Interesting. Very. And would that, would that include, you know, acquiring and having consolidation of the miners or it's literally just a company like HydroHash just gets bigger and bigger and bigger? I would really like, you know, my grand vision, huge vision, if I've got really megalomaniac here, besides the secret layer in the volcano that powers everything, uh, <laughs> like a James Bond villain, what I would what really, really like to do is make our own silicon someday. Hmm. Right. Because that's where, you know, Bitmain and others really got a chokehold on the mining industry. And it is tough to buy a miner and not get scammed, uh, to not have it shipped six months late, three months late, whatever. Right. Um, it's just it's tough to, to, to be a mining customer. Right. And if, once you make your own silicone, everything else is just, you know, a, a Raspberry Pi control board. Right. You know, for the in and outs and send stuff to the network. And you, but you need that that you need the silicon you need the custom silicon for the for the algorithms right and if yeah. you can make that silicon everything else is just a control board and cooling very cool and we got the cooling figured out no it, it's really interesting um, definitely appreciate what you guys are building obviously in a super super interesting space that couldn't be any hotter right now no pun intended there um, <laughs> but I, uh, I I appreciate the approach you're taking for sure so. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the podcast. Uh, if folks want to learn more, you can check them out on Republic. Um, I think their raise is almost or, or maybe sold out, but definitely worth kind of learning more about. Um, and I'm sure we'll see you around the block again at some point. Thanks, Chris. Really, really enjoyed it. Hey, have a wonderful day, both. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. 
Before you go, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like or a positive review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and share our latest episodes. And if you like what you heard and want to learn more about how we can help you manage your startup investing search, diligence, and management at King's Crowd, check us out at kingscrowd.com. Thanks, and until next time, happy investing.